Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Carmen and Yurko, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. And away we go. The new coordinators of the Chicago Bears are addressing the media today before they all leave for the Combine, York. When Shane Waldron, the OC, steps to the podium, we will uh, take you up to Hallis Hall. And you can hear it right here on your home for Bears football, ESPN Chicago. It is Carmen and Yerk. Glad to be with you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Watch us on YouTube, live in our State Street studio. You can uh, make sure you click and subscribe to the station's YouTube page because you'll get all kinds of fun stuff. Not just the shows live, but also all the fun shorts and some of the recap stuff. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app. Jesse Rogers will join us, hopefully, without any hiccups or glitches. Coming up at 2 from spring training, we'll also play McKnight at the movies. I know Connor's out in Arizona at Camelback Ranch. I wonder if there's a baseball theme to today's McKnight at the movies. You'll have a chance to play along with us and win a little bit later on. We'll do the lunch rush. I'm going to do a pre-guess. A pre-guess. Raising Arizona. I love that movie. No, it's not it. I guessed that well, I absolutely blue. love that movie, though. I came with it, though. Didn't I come with it? I came with hey, the pretty heat good call. Now. I like what you're thinking there. That's I'm not going to make any guesses. Right. I don't even want to think about. It. I'm going to do something with the USS Arizona. No, I don't think that's Oh, we could go naval on Pearl us. Harbor? Yeah, you don't, don't know. That's it. That's I'm of, just saying. It's a horrible morbid. movie. No, it's he, a horrible movie. He's in Arizona, though. Horrible. I know. Uh, they really, they really, they really McKnight botched that in the one. movies has really got me excited for today. I don't want to rant too much on Jerry Reinsdorf and the White Sox just yet because we're going to, at any moment, go up to Hallis. And we got a press conference. I, yeah, and we're going to listen to Shane Waldron meet the media. I did do a research project last night. You see, Yerk? Oh, but the accountant was busy. The research. Oh, I see a lot of writing. The research project. I, the highlighter got used last night, Carm. There's a bunch of highlighting. In I the, see uh, it. Oh, it's re- yeah. It's a, it's a research project. You got the poster board out? They didn't have the poster board, but... Uh, no, what's it when you use the shoebox to make that thing? You know, uh, Diorama. Diorama, yeah. You have the diorama? I didn't have the a diorama out? either. I, I wasn't building like a mock of the new Block 78, new White Sox Stadium. Okay. What's it going to be called, by the way? Is Guaranteed Rate coming with it? Or? No. It's going to be called the White Sox in Nashville. By then, <laughs> they'll be looking for a new sponsor, right? Jerry's, Guaranteed uh, Rate. Jerry's threatening like, hey, if you don't do this now... I'm going to be dead soon. Hey. And like he literally yeah. said that. He's like, I'm going to be dead I, soon. I, listen, I'm 88. Oh. And if you don't do this now, man, the yeah. team's going to probably end up in Nashville. Unbelievable. And so I was sending Chris and Adam and uh, the world of Twitter pictures of Adley Rushman last night. I think I'm just going to be an Orioles fan. I, I think I, I'm, I'm settling heading? in. Like you're Chris heading? said, great ball cap. They got the best young farm system, the best young talent yep. in the bigs. You yep. know, like it, their talent at the big league level and their minor league system is like the best in the bigs yeah. in terms of young talent. Fly balls go to die in their outfield. I, I think I'm just going to be they an Orioles fan. Everything down. You know, my good friend Jerry Harrison Jr. played there for years. They yeah. love him there. Oh, yeah. You know, in Cal, Baltimore. I mean, Cal Ripken Jr. was Cal, there. We've had Cal in studio a couple yeah, of times. Yes, we have. Cal's always been nice to us. He's been uh, great because he, the Cal Ripken Baseball League. Yeah, well, the you youth know, baseball league. We've made money on the Orioles. We, yeah, we, we have made money on the Orioles. I really missed out last year. I was so, Connor gave it to me. He handed it to me on a silver platter in May, and I botched it. I effed it up. I outthought it. I, I botched it. Think I long. Missed, think I, long. I know. I know. So I, really, I think I'm. I, I'm kind of settling in. Do you know I've never even been to Baltimore? 
I've been to Baltimore. Never been to Baltimore. Yeah, I've been what? to Baltimore. It's and beautiful. Never been. I've been to yeah, never, never been to Manchester. <laughs> Touche, Adam. That's true. But, I mean, you, th- you know, like, I've never even been to Baltimore. I've never been to Camden Yards. Been near Baltimore. Been to D.C. Been to Arlington. Never been to Baltimore. But I think I'm going to be a Baltimore fan. And, yes, of course, I'm saying it a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But right now you once are. the season's underway, I don't know. Maybe not. Right now, I tell you, I hope they could surprise I'm cheering for mediocrity. <laughs> Even with mediocrity, it gets you up in the high 70s, right? For the White Sox? Yeah. Me- high 70s. Jeez. Harm, I'm cheering for mediocrity. I didn't say 81. I said just be mediocre. I'm not so be sure, Be in kid. it for an extended period of time in your division. Did you? What did you guys think of the slide drill they were doing yesterday? Did you see the... I sent Black and uh, Bala. Your wife, oh, did there you, it is. Carm. You, Carm's oh, triggered. Carm's triggered. World champion Kansas City Chiefs back-to-back. The big bus is going by early in the show. It must be its route. Unbelievable. Oh, Rampart, Rampart, Engine 51. Start lactated ringers. Carmen's going to go crazy. He's going to tweet it out, I'll everything it we out. see, this I'll, Kansas I'll City Chiefs it. and the city of Second Chicago. Day in a row. Where, I'm not where, as triggered today I vented yesterday. Where are our artful taggers at? Where are the artistes in the world? That love to pollute the city with their poison. I don't know. Why can't they find this bus and sit there and spray paint some positive Chicago stuff on there? I don't know. I'm tired of it, Carm. So, bef- not once, as tired as you. When you guys see this in a little bit, Matt Eberflus is currently meeting the media. He's just introducing. He's thanking a bunch of people. Right. And, they, and then he's going to turn it over to Eric he's Washington. Got a fresh and look, guys. He's got a new look. He's got oh, a new Come on. He's put got it on a fresh the TV. Look. Can I see it? You can't put it on the TV. He's Bring it up on your computer. Look. Bears.com, I take it? Yeah. All right, yeah. hold on. Bears.com, he's got a new look. Did he go with the Ditka Fro? No, he... Did, did I, he have a mustache? He took up the sides a little bit. You know how he's tight. always got, like, the... Tight on the sides. Uh, he's high and tight now, guys. Okay. High and tight with a little flow on the top. Also, a little bit Dude, of a wait, beard. Come on. come on. Yeah, he's got a new look. He's giving hold out on. a certain energy. <laughs> I'm, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to it right now. I got to see this. Sure, Everybody man. Oh, yeah. Let's he see. It's a new look. up, dude. Yeah, right? I like it. You know, I gotta say, Matt Eberflus is not look. an unattractive man. You know, like he's oh, that's better for him. He's yeah. pretty, Doesn't he look better? He's a pretty yeah. handsome man, and he's got the modern day p- man pompadour going. Yeah, he it's looks the good. Yeah, he modern does. day yeah. man pompadour. Yeah, that's a better look for him. It's definitely like a little bit of a cleaner. Right. Yeah. Look. I mean, right. halfway through the year last year, he looked washed you know, out. You know what it this looks? Is a better it looks look. big city. Yeah, like he previously he looked small town. Now it looks big city right. coach. He's got the quarter zip, like all the way zipped up. Chris. Yeah, like he yeah. does. He big looks, city. Yeah. I don't know. Is he consulting with someone? I, you know, like, uh, Somebody like got some got sort of stylist? An image consultant? An image consultant? Yeah. I don't know. You looked washed out. You look haggard. Let's get you something fresh going on. So Eberflus right? is talking right now. He's going to introduce Eric Washington and, and Shane Waldron. We figured the best, most important stuff is going to be listening to the DC, I'm sorry, the OC speak. Well, here, when Shane Waldron starts taking some questions, we'll carry well, you that know, portion uh, line. Uh, Washington, the defensive line coach. Well, he's the DC now. But he was the D line coach here back yes. in 2010 or yes. in, the, in the aughts. That's correct. He was here in the aughts. Yes. And then, uh, you know, obviously he left and he went back. Now he's here. So good. Good. We got a guy. We'll see. Be aggressive. That's what I tell him. Be aggressive. The slow death is not a fun death. Um, be aggressive. We got kind of thrown off there because the Kansas City bus for the second straight day right around noon came by. Went parading down State Street, south yeah. on State Street. The bus, the yeah. sightseeing bus that we sent to uh, Kansas City. Where's your taggers when you need them, you know? I don't know. These guys, uh, new and steel then, beams over on that project, uh, the Jane Byrne. 
Yeah, putting their marks all over everything. Yeah. We, we actually have some civic duty and some civic pride that needs to take place here. Graffiti uh, oh. artists unite. I know. I was asking you guys uh, before we got a little thrown off, too. Did you see the slide drill the White Sox were working on last night? I did, did not see Do you want me to slide. show you this? I'll Why th- are you watching? I mean, I can barely watch baseball. I don't, You're watching spring well, training it was, drills? It was sent to me. You tell me. Come on over real quick. Here. Who sent it to you? Uh, well, it was on Twitter. Vinny Duber sent yeah, it. Yeah, Vinny Duber posted and, it. And yeah. posted it. And then I sent it to these guys immediately. Yeah. And then I put it on Twitter. I said, the real specialized stuff comes after we the broke-ass city and county pays for his new stadium. That's when they break out the cutting-edge stuff. You tell me what this is. Okay. It's a slip and slide. First of all, Aloy's going to get hurt. Again. <laughs> they got Aloy doing some sort of a slide drill on a slip and slide. He's going to get hurt. How old were you when you knew how to slide? How old were you? I, I was seven, ten, eight, ten. I'd say I perfected the stand-up slide. You know, you slide in, and you stand up off of it. I mean, Mankata and the lawyer are going to get hurt. I showed this to my eleven-year-old son. You ever do the hook slide when you were a youth? Yeah, the hook slide, beautiful slide. I, I showed this to my eleven-year-old son. What did he say? And he said, "It looks like a drill we did in t-ball." Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I don't even know what what is the intention of having the slip and slide on top of the tarp. I don't know. I, like, does that make any sense? I don't know, Carm. Listen, things, I mean, I, I know I didn't play professional baseball, but good like, for you. things this aren't is good the, for you. This on is the, the drill side. they're doing in spring training, and you tweeted that out, and I didn't see it come up on my timeline. Interesting. I'm sorry. No, it's not your fault. Well, I should have tagged you, maybe. No, but the danger here with a bunch of fragile guys to begin with is like this. This little, they have a tarp down basically where they're doing the slide drill, and then there's another like slip and slide apparatus on top of it that they're sliding on. Like, what is the purpose of that drill? What is the additional slide piece for that their feet are getting caught up in as they slide? I don't know. You're asking me questions. I'm I'm going to show this to some of the guys. Send it to Harrison. I'm going to show it. Yeah, you know what? That's true. I'm going to send it to Jerry. Jerry. I was going to send it. My son will be at uh, his uh, the indoor facility where our travel program, uh, Rake City, plays. I'm going to show it to some of the guys. These guys who played college and you know uh, minor league baseball within professional organizations. Give him his proper title at least. Your good friend Jerry Harrison. I'm going to send my good friend Jerry Harrison. I'm I'm going to show the coaches today who played very high levels of baseball. Me like, what is this? What's going on? Like, what am I missing? What kind of a Why is there like is a sheet on top of it know. that they're sliding into? I don't know. It, it, it looks like it's asking to get your cleat caught That's in the sheet. Exactly what it looks like, Adam. Not only with Aloy Jimenez and Yoan Mankata, who get hurt jogging to first base. The piece of 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 whatever that is, this queen or whatever it is, needs to be as I'm big or bigger so you could fold it underneath the mat that you're sliding on. Uh, I'm texting Harrison right now. I'm sending this to Jerry. Call and, Jerry. And I'm going to say, by the way, can you explain this? What the hell is going on here? By the way. You know, I want to know please, what's going he, on. We were just texting this morning. Yeah. I'm telling you, Jerry's so obsessed with the Bears. I've told you that. Jerry yeah. Harrison Jr. is from Naperville. Let's get him in. Whose dad played here? the bigs. No, Jerry he lives in L.A. LA's Arizona fine. and L.A. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jerry played in the bigs for 15 years, won a World Series with the Yankees. His dad, of course, a great sock uh, designated hitter. Uh, One dog. No, that was Lance Williams. That was Lance Johnson. Sorry, Lance, Lance Johnson, Johnson, Lance Williams. Jerry Harrison Sr. was Jerry Harrison's Jr.'s. Jerry Harrison Jr. dad. Yeah, uh, we get Jerry that. and I were texting about some bear stuff today. He was texting me this morning. I'm going to say, by the way, please explain this drill. Now, Jerry loves the White Sox, too. He won't bash him too much. 
He absolutely adores Jerry mm-hmm. Reinsdorf. He does. And his dad Probably adores had a smoke Jerry. with him when he was a kid. You know, cigar. Yeah, I mean, Jerry's been hanging around that clubhouse since he was oh, uh, sure. a knee high. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right about that. But yeah. I, I still don't understand knee that. Knee high so, to a grasshopper. Uh, our friend Jim Miller from Hawthorne. You know, Jimmy Miller pitched in the minor leagues. He, I think he? in the Brewers organization. What did Jimmy say? Uh, he said... <laughs> I hope Jimmy doesn't mind if I read this. Well, basically, he's saying it's an injury waiting to happen. Yeah, Jimmy's never seen a drill like that. Either. This is a guy ask, that played uh, in the minors. All right, a- we're going to take a break. No, ask Jimmy uh, who he likes in the Rebel this week. That's on Odds Couple tomorrow. Now, but BS! We'll take a break when Shane Waldron meets the media. We'll carry it live. We'll grab your phone calls. It's Carmen York. We'll be right back. Chicago's home for sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Carmen and Yurko are back. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. When Shane Waldron meets the media, yes, the new OC is going to address the media. Eric Washington, the DC, is right now up at house. We'll carry Shane Waldron live. People want to hear from the new AC. We're your home for the Bears. The new AC? The new OC. OC. We're your home for the Bears. We were talking about the White Sox uh, drill where uh, for and look, I understand you want to do a sliding drill. Great work on stuff like that's good. That's spring yeah. training. Yeah. The kids use the slide mats all the time. I don't understand the sheet being on top of the slide mat because all that's happening is the players are getting their feet tangled in, in this that. sheet. Yeah. Yes, and I said I, I've never tarp, seen that. I was tarp like substance. Yes. And I sent it to Jerry Harrison, and uh, I'm going to ask some of the coaches at the uh, academy where my son goes and be like, what is this? Have you guys seen this? A couple guys say they know why the sheet goes down. I've never seen that before. Uh, So, Kevin in Lakeview, why would you put a sheet on top of the slide mat? They slide better. It just it makes it a smoother slide. It does look like it gets caught up on them, but it helps them slide across. It's crazy. We do that – for our girls' softball team, Where, okay, uh, you when do. they practice, like you just put the sheet on when you're in the indoor practice. They come barreling down to, uh, you know, to do slide, get yeah. the knee, you know, get the uh, foot behind the knee there. Yep, yep. yep. And they slide, it, and is, it just, is, they slide is, is smoother. It indoors or is it outdoors? You guys are still using this indoors. Uh, no, we do it indoors for the indoor practices. Right, and that's not indoors though. We're no, looking at outdoor the, the, practice. The, the, no, but you can you can use it outdoors you can too because it. it'll help them slide. Yeah, it will, and it's better than sliding on the grass. So I get why they use it. I've just never, ever seen that sheet on top of the slide mat like that. All right, Kev. So he says the girls' softball that he trains, they do that. Ryan in Frankfurt also said he's seen that before. Ryan, you've seen that with that tarp or that sheet on top of the slide mat? Yeah, my understanding for that sheet is just so you're not getting caught up in the actual pad that you're sliding on. Mm. And so if your shoe gets caught, you're on the sheet itself. So but they, the main purpose of the drill is so they land on their butt, and they're sliding on their butt, not their side. Or you'll notice their hands are on the ground too. Keep mm-hmm. their hands up. Yeah. So, All right, Ryan. That's a, there you go, buddy. Thanks, Ryan. So it's got something to do. Maybe it's actually safer than getting a cleat stuck in the mat. That could be part of the reason. Bless you, Chris. Part of the reason. <laughs> you guys can hear that on the air. I heard that I was. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> Part of the reason maybe we've never I've never seen that is indoor our kids are never wearing cleats. They're just wearing gym shoes right. and there's nothing that would that cleat would never get it wouldn't caught. Catch. It wouldn't, wouldn't catch, catch, wouldn't snag it. On the tarp. So maybe that's why they do it, but uh I don't know. I, I don't know. It, to, me, way, it, to me it looks like a disaster when you happen. You were puzzled by it. Uh, I'm watching Aloy and Moncada do it and I'm like, oh god, their feet are to... their feet are getting caught up in that. Boy, spring training highlights just don't do it for me. 
I said they're getting caught up in that that sheet you're going like this is going to end in disaster. I mean, <laughs> those two. I mean, it's just going to end up in disaster. As well it should. Uh, Amir wants me to be a Cub fan. Should we talk to him? Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm going to be a Baltimore fan. Amir's in Hoffman Estates. What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, Carl? What's going on, man? Why would you want to go to Baltimore if you root for the uh, North Side, the winners? We don't do no girls' soccer well, drills over here. I mean, well, winners. baseball drills. Amir, winners. What, what kind winners, of winners? Winners, yeah. What you want to soccer team, man. Dobro, dobro. <laughs> hey, Amir, what kind of winning are the Cubs <laughs> doing? Well, they've won. I mean, well, yeah, you, Sox won in 06, right? Yeah, 05. 05. Sox won in 05. We won in 16. What's it been like since then? Well, we'll... Ricketts opens up that checkbook. He's not going to. He's already told <laughs> you, know. you he's not going to. Amir, you, know, you guys, uh, you guys got power. You guys can make him do it. Love you guys. Love thanks, the show. Amir. You guys are the best. See you, brother. <laughs> Amir says, "Why would you go to Baltimore? Just be a Cub fan." No, I can't do that. If anything, it's Baltimore or the Braves. That's it. Uh, Tom Ricketts has his one World Series title. He has it. He's got the one World Series title. Yeah. Now this is about putting the Chicago Cubs in the best business situation that can be that can be moving forward. That's what. He won it. It was joyful. He was satiated. And now it's just about this becoming a money-making venture for him for the rest of his life. It's annoying when a market like Chicago with a team like the Cubs, with all they have at their disposal, doesn't necessarily like play quite with the big boys the way you'd expect, right, Eric? Yeah. It is. It is. It's I, a problem. And I guess there's the big boys. They were 14th last year, Carm. I guess there's something to be said for... Frugality? Spending, well, I was going to make it a euphemism and say spending wisely or not overpaying. That's what you want, yeah. Frugality. They, they definitely, like, Jed definitely sort of operates in this, and I think Theo did for a long time, too. Remember, the thing that ultimately pissed Theo off about Boston was all the money they threw at Carl Crawford and then the trade for Adrian and they, Gonzalez, remember, yeah. and the contract they gave Adrian well, Gonzalez? Well, he wasn't in charge of that. I thought he was. Was he not there? He for was that? there. He was given an edict and a mandate. If you remember the story that came out of Boston, I think that's right. The yeah. television people were in the meetings on what, you know, hey, this team is not sexy enough. And I think that's what like kind of pissed Theo off, and like it's it started 100% the divorce. Hundred percent, what pissed him off. And so Theo's always and he goes, been... wait a minute. I'm the baseball guy making baseball decisions. Who's this guy from? Whatever cable television station he's from, yeah, or cable group. Coming into here telling them that we don't have enough pizzazz or star power players. Right. Yeah, that's when he knew that was the beginning of the end for him there. He knew it. Remember, didn't they trade Rizzo to get Adrian Gonzalez? Wasn't that right? I, I believe so, I think yes. that was the trade. Because yeah. Jed was in San Diego already at the time. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll give you Adrian Gonzalez. you got to give me Rizzo. They drafted Rizzo in Boston. And I, I think they, this, this group has always operated under the... You know, like Yurko said, either it's frugal or just thoughtful spending. They know they're good enough in their jobs, or at least historically, they've been pretty good at building competitive teams where they feel like they don't have to overpay. It's what makes Friedman and the Dodgers so interesting is because, like, Andrew Friedman operated that way forever where he couldn't spend in Tampa, and he built a winner. And then he went to the Dodgers, and they've got unlimited money, basically. It seems like they're printing money, right, Yurko? And he's got the best of both worlds. Like, he can work his magic with his people, and they can keep drafting and developing all these players. Oh, and at the same time, he can sign Freddie Freeman. He can sign Mookie Betts. He, you know, trade and then sign Mookie Betts. He can sign Shohei. He can sign Yamamoto. He's got the best of both worlds. I mean, the Dodgers are operating at a different level. Now, they've only got one World Series title to show for it, but they're going to be in the playoffs every year. 
They've been in the playoffs every year for the last 11 seasons. Yes. Yes. And for the foreseeable future with their roster, they will be in the playoffs every year. The modern day Atlanta Braves. Yeah, that's kind of what it's modern day Atlanta Braves is what they are. So I don't know if there's something to be said or not for like Jed's approach to spending wisely. But it does have to, and I, you, you express your annoyance at it all the time. I don't blame you. I mean, look, I get annoyed that at least your team spends something. My team spends nothing historically. And that's really aggravating because well, they're here the, in Chicago. But your Cubs, Cubs should be operating at a different Cubs level. The Cubs were 14th last year and the White Sox were 16th. I know, but at least they've signed. You know, they signed Lester. They signed Hayward. Like, you, they've you've, spent got, some... you've got your one bugaboo. You got your one bugaboo. They've never handed out a contract that's been over $100 million. Never. They haven't handed out one that's been over $75 million. Yeah. And Do you realize in the last year, in the last year, you're going, in the last 10 months, the Pittsburgh Pirates have handed out two contracts that are bigger than any contract the White Sox have ever given a player. Do you know that? Yeah. Last April, they gave Brian Reynolds a $110 million contract. And yesterday or this morning, I, don't, I think it was yesterday, last night, they gave uh, Mitch Keller a $77 million contract. So in 10 months... The Pittsburgh Pirates have given out two contracts that are richer than anything the Chicago White Sox have ever given a player. And the only time Jerry did spend was a petty F you to the other owners coming out of the lockout or the strike where he was pissed that they didn't hold firm for longer and he signed Albert Bell, remember? Yeah. And that was basically as an F you to the other owners. He's like, oh, yeah, now I'll show you. And that's the only reason he did it. Right. It was an F you to everybody else because he felt they caved. That's the only time he spent, and at the time it was a big contract. They've never given out anything more than $75 million. The Pirates, in less than a year, have given out two contracts more than anything the White Sox have ever given a player. The Kansas City Royals, and part of this is probably their dealings with the county and the state and the city right now in Kansas City because they're angling for a new stadium as well, and they wanted some show of good faith, the Royals just gave Bobby Wood Jr. nearly $300 million. It's a lot of money. The White Sox have never given anybody more than 75. They just gave Bobby Wood Jr. almost $300 million bucks in Kansas City. And what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to feel? You're supposed to feel like a White Sox fan should. Down in the dumps? Down in the dumps. Praying for things. Praying for good things to happen your baseball team. Yeah, you are. Carmen, I said this last night. Didn't he essentially tell White Sox fans, don't be a fan until new ownership takes over last (laughs) night? Right. And that's what I took from the interview is that he they're not going to spend. He's threatening to move the team. Like if and when he passes, they're going to move the team if there's new ownership, if they don't get a ballpark. So essentially, if you're a Sox fan today, don't follow the team until new ownership takes over, and then they might actually try and win. He's doing the same thing, Chris, he did 35 years ago. Now he's just using his age. 35 yeah. years ago it was, hey, yeah. they're, they're building a new stadium in St. Right. Uh, Pete. I'm going. See ya. And the state legislator said, no, 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 we'll, we'll keep you, we'll keep you. Chris is right. 35 years later, he's 88, or he's put, knocking on the door of 88. He's playing them. Listen, I'm not going to be around forever, and if you really want somebody else to buy the team, guess what? They're going to go to Nashville. 
He's doing the same. All right, Shane Waldron time. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to this. Up to Hallis on your home for the Bears. Here is Shane Waldron, yeah, the new OC of the Bears, meeting the media. Making me part of this great organization and, and storied franchise. Couldn't be more excited about it. You know, when the, the job process started and, and the interview process started, uh, you know, it became obvious pretty quickly for me what direction I wanted to take this thing and, and, and really go after this job, getting to know those people, how well they interacted together. Uh, so fortunate that it all worked out and, and I'm totally appreciative of it. Um, from an offensive standpoint, you know, I'm looking forward to a group that can put together a great effort on the field, display great toughness, and then work well together. And so we put together a staff that we feel like can really, you know, encapsulate all those traits, everything that we're looking for. And, you know, with that being adaptable, you know, it's a game where things change, players change. Can we adapt? Can we overcome certain situations? And I feel like we have that. For as far as, uh, you know, my family did, Eric did a great job talking about his, you know, I can't be more excited about getting my wife, Megan, my daughter, Lainey, my other daughter, Riley, out here, being part of this community and, uh, you know, excited for it, excited to make it part of this, this great area and this great fan base. So with that, I'll open it up and hear what you guys have. When, when, Matt, when, when Matt interviewed you both times uh, and when, you know, you talked to people in the building here, how much the conversation was about what you would do with Justin and how much was what you would do with maybe a college quarterback who is going to be available. Sure. I think, you know, just from a player standpoint in general, a lot of the conversation on offense revolved around, you know, adaptability. What, what can you do with, you know, different pieces of the puzzle, depending on each year, each year in this league is going to be its own individual year. And I think priding ourselves on having an offensive system, uh, a group of coaches that can, adapt and, and, and adjust the scheme to the player's skill set. You know, because it's our job first to be great teachers and then second to be able to put guys in the right position in the best position for their own individual success to lead to our team's success. So a lot of the conversation revolved around not just the quarterback position, obviously that's a, a starting point on offense, but how does that look for every position as team and, and as teams adapt each year and as players adapt each year. And then how do you go about planning an offense, though, at this point when you don't know Maybe you do, but like, at least right now, yeah. there you go. Uh, no, I think, you know, as far as planning the offense, the first part for us was building a staff, getting everyone together. And then, you know, you have staffs. So we've worked together with different people in the past. Uh, people have had different experiences. But the first part of that is really speaking our language. You know, what's the 2024 Bears uh, going to look like in terms of how we're calling certain coverages? How are we calling routes? You know, what concepts do we want to, you know, uh, have as part of our core offense when we start OTAs and we start with that building block, building block approach as teachers. So that's the first part of it. And to me, you know, having a system that's that's speaking the same language, that's multiple in its ways that it can attack a defense. You know, then you start to get the players and you start to know what your personnel is going to look like for that season. And then you build it around the player's skill set. And I think, you know, for me. Uh, that's been a part of my core beliefs, and I feel like it's it's worked out well with the different quarterbacks that I've had a chance to be around over the past several years. Is it safe to say this is an offense, though, whether it's Justin or a college quarterback that you know to be named later that could work for either one of them? Yeah, I, I totally believe that. You know, I think in the in the past experiences, like I said, with with different quarterbacks, different experience levels. Uh, whether I was in the coordinator role or in a, in a role uh, as a position coach, you know, I felt that way. I felt different quarterbacks have been able to uh, 
to step foot into the system, be able to uh, to learn it quickly, you know, and that starts with us being able to teach it in a good and efficient man, uh, manner where they understand it, and then being able to go and, and again adjust because each guy's going to have a different skill set. So what direction does it go? Uh, it's you know the players really take ownership and control of that. Okay. So who's here already that you like that you're excited about coaching? Who's already in place personnel wise? Well, I think the big thing is just in big picture, because without getting into specific personnel uh, uh, talk right now, because it's, it's an you know, ever-changing uh, scenario, especially this time of the year with free agency, and we know that. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited about some of the explosive playmakers, some of the core foundational pieces that we have up front, uh, and then, you know, some of the toughness in the runners, things that they've displayed on tape right there. Uh, and obviously at the quarterback position with that ability to be explosive, to be a playmaker, uh, to work off schedule, you know, those things are all uh, good pieces to a, to an offense that, that really finished strong last year. And, and, and I'm looking really to see how can we as an offensive staff look to build upon that? How do we incorporate our system with a bunch of great players that, that have had success in this league? And like I said, getting, getting, a, getting a, a chance to look forward at, at how we come together in this thing, you know, and, and the individuals will, will kind of put their best foot forward as we get to it, as we get to know them better. Um, I do think, you know, one part for me is, you know, this is a business, there's a business time of year, but it's a relationship-based business. And for me as a coach coming in, you know, the best chance to start developing those real relationships is when OTAs get going, when the off-season program begins, when we get a chance to, you know, outside being able to reach out to guys and just say hello to introduce myself, you know, get a chance to spend time with them, get them a chance to know our coaches, you know, get a chance to know them uh, outside of just football X's and O's, because I think once we know each other, once you do develop relationships with, with people, uh, which I said, is, like I said, is an in-person thing in my mind, uh, then you get a chance to really coach them harder, coach them better, understand how they work and how we would interact together. Okay. Part of the homework for this organization in the weeks ahead is figuring out the quarterback situation. When you presumably will have input on the quarterback draft class, what are your early impressions of Caleb Williams and who he is as a prospect? Yeah, I think, you know, from afar, you know, mainly my, my impression of a lot of these quarterbacks, all the college quarterbacks was, you know, what an unbelievable college season we just came, you know, off of with these guys making some of these dynamic plays down the stretch, you know, whether it was leading into the, the championship games or, or the, the bowl games leading up to that, the regular season. Obviously, for me, being out on the West Coast, get a little bit of uh, more exposure to the Pac-12. Uh, I guess the, yes, Pac-12 still last year, you know, as that thing evolves every uh, every day in my mind. Uh, but so, you know, just in, in terms of that, it's been more of, you know, generalities, seeing all these guys perform at a high level under the national spotlight, especially there's, a, you know, multiple quarterbacks that have already performed on the highest stage, you know, in big games. And obviously he's one of them. And, and I'm excited to really, you know, when we start this afternoon with some of our draft process, then the combine kicks off. You know, to me, that's the chance to really dive into this and, and get going. When you dive into the, the pre-draft process from your role, what are the things that excite you most, whether it's pro days, combine, visits, what are the things that, that are compelling to you in, in this next stretch of homework? Yeah, I think getting to know the person, you know, and, and all these guys, that everyone's got a story, you know, cool thing about football is everyone has such a unique and, and different background and, and what led them, what's their why, how did they get to this point? And so, you know, the tape is obviously their resume in terms of the player, but then what is, you know, what is the person like? How is that person going to be able to adjust and, and adapt to the next level here? And, and so for me, you know, like the combine's that first chance to start to see some people in person, start to get a chance to, you know, in a shorter time span, interview people, and then putting in all the information that, that Ryan Poles and his staff has gathered in terms of the, the uh, 
the off the field, you know, what the character of the player is and all those things. So I'm excited to get to know those guys, like I said, outside of just, you know, the, the, the great displays they put up every Saturday afternoon or Saturday night or maybe Tuesday night, some action, you never know. So, uh, <laughs> no, getting to know those guys would be a good thing. Geno Smith, Smith had a resurgence under you in Seattle. How much pride do you take in getting the most out of a quarterback? And just generally speaking, what would you say is the key to developing a quarterback and getting the most out of them? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, experience with Geno was unbelievable. It started with him as a player, and I think, you know, you talk in terms of what guys can learn from him was a unique ability to have a positive mindset no matter what the scenario was. And, and when I got a chance to start working with him, you know, there was an unwavering mindset that he was a starting quarterback in the NFL, which I think is part of the process or, or part of the thought process that every quarterback and every player in this league is going to have. And so to get it, uh, you know, to be lucky enough to work with a guy like that that had that mindset uh, and then to be able to start to develop that relationship with him, that rapport uh, where we can get into game day and, and feel like, hey, we're on exactly the same page on everything that's going on. I think that was uh, something that I would take from that uh, that moment with him. And, and again, looking forward to it. And you'll hear me you know, refer to it you know, a good amount of times. But to me, the, the teaching, the coaching, it all starts with how well you're getting to know these guys. You know, what's the relationship like with them? And not to say that everyone's going to have the exact same relationship with every single player. You know, and, and I think, but having that, that understanding of their why and, and really, like I said, seeing Gino, how he worked, how he was uh, – totally dialed in no matter what the scenario was, whether he was going to be the starter that week, whether he was a backup when I was first around him, you know, that was unwavering and his confidence uh, from that was unwavering. You came to this process, you came to this process as one of the hot names in this hiring cycle that would have options to, to choose from. As an OC, obviously the quarterback situation for any franchise is going to be intriguing. Do you like it or not? What do you find intriguing about the current situation that the Bears quarterback situation is in right now? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at it from from either lens right now, you know, obviously it's a unique spot in the draft to have the, the first overall pick, the ninth overall pick, just from an organization in general. You know, it's not going to happen too often. Uh, and, again, every year is so individually based. You know, this is that, that year. And then also a core uh, a group of players that are already in place on offense, including the quarterback that played at a high level and have had to have displayed, you know, uh, the ability to win football games and, and, and make plays. So I think the, the combination of those two things were really intriguing. And then, you know, you know, even furthermore than that was just the even from that initial interview, just the the uh, connection and interaction between Coach Eberflus and, and Ryan Poles and and seeing a connected organization when you walk in the building and you feel it and you start to get really excited about uh, the direction that this thing's going. Have you, have you had a chance to talk to Justin Fields yet? And are there challenges maybe that come with trying to build that relationship with his sort of uncertain future? Here? Yeah, I think whether it's with him or all these guys, you know, part of it's the rules because, you, you know, you can't go out and meet with the guys right now and, you know, we're in that, that set. Um, but, you know, trying to reach out to each guy and, you know, give that introduction uh, and then knowing that the real, like I said, the real relationships, the real conversations are, are in the future right here, you know, in the near future as, as we get ready for this thing. But, you know, leaving it in, at that with all these guys. And like I said, I can't wait to get to meet all the guys in person, get a chance to talk with them more. And, so so have you talked to them yet or no? Yeah, we've, we've exchanged messages there. Your, your prior experience as a play caller was something that was attractive to the Bears, obviously, during this process. Where do you feel more equipped 
having had the experience than you did when you first started calling plays? And where, do you, where have you seen the growth in yourself in that area? That's a great question. I think, you know, as a play caller or anything you're doing, you know, for the first time, you know, are you ready for it? You don't know until you do it. And then once you've done it, you've been exposed to it. I think it's all about reps, just like no different for a player. You know, the more reps you accumulate, the more situations that are put in front of you, uh, you know, the, nat- the more and more natural it becomes to react uh, with, a, with a positive decision in those scenarios right there. And so for me, you know, I'll look back at this this past season and, you know, take away the the, uh, the amount of game winning drives that we were able to accomplish and thinking about it from the, the the calmness as a play caller in those scenarios, taking the information in from all the other coaches, you know, everything's always going to be a, a collaborative effort in those regards. But, you know, being able to, to, to understand those situations and, and react in those split seconds and, and making the best decision for the team, you know, as many times as you can throughout the course of the game. And then also realizing, you know, it's the NFL, everybody's good. So there's defenses that are going to be great every single week. And, you know, they might make a play here and there and, and being able to move on just like a player would, hey, if you make a bad play, let's move on right to the next play. That next play might be the best one of the game right there. But don't let the previous play call impact the next play call from an emotional standpoint you know and so i think as you you know the more and more reps you get at something more and more you do it the more and more comfortable i feel like i become in those scenarios many places going to a team with the number one overall pick how attractive is that to you yeah, I think, like I said, the you know having a unique scenario like this where you have the first pick and the ninth pick in the draft uh, to get a chance to uh, to be a part of a an organization as storied as this one is, I think all those things go into it. And and like I said, you don't you know when the season ends, every season's its own entity. You don't necessarily. You know, you're not saying I'm anticipating what's about to happen. And next thing you know, you're here you go. You're in the interview process. And uh, like I said, it just felt very comfortable, very quickly, you know, with meeting those guys. And then obviously having that, that piece of the draft puzzle, you know, where you get a chance to evaluate so many top players around the college game with those, those two high picks, you know, made it totally appealing. Have you evaluated Justin and what did you make of his season? Yeah, I think for him, you know, talking about individual evaluations, it's been much more build the staff, build our, uh, you know, base of what we're going to do. Uh, we've started to get into, you know, our personnel. We've started to really meet with the scouts and, uh, you know, having that full evaluation of what our roster looks like. And so then moving forward, you know, over the next several weeks will allow us to, you know, start to make some decisions, not just at that spot, but at, at all the spots, because you know, obviously free agency is, is right in front of us right now. So being able to put all those things together uh, is all part of the process. But for us, you know, too, there's that process of having a foundation as coaches and, and knowing what we want to be how we want to present this so that when we do start talking about the players, how are they fitting in everything that we're looking to do? What was your, what was your, what was your pitch to get others to come join your staff? My pitch to get others to join the staff? Well, I think go back to some relationships. You know, myself and, uh, and Thomas Brown had a great experience working with him in, in Los Angeles right there. Uh, you know, same with some of our guys from that were able to uh, make their way out from Seattle with – with uh, Carrie and Robbie and Chad, uh, so that was, uh, you know, those were those were started with with different relationships you had with those people uh, as a starting point. But I also think we did a good job of really um, spreading the net in terms of interviewing and talking to a lot of people and, you know, getting exposed to new ideas, new thoughts, which is always a good part of the interview process. Um, and then there were some different ones that, you know, people I hadn't known, but, you know, you know, it, you know recommendations from other people, other coaches, um, you know, bringing in, you know, Jennifer King and interviewing her uh, the other day and, and, and hearing how valuable of a piece of our staff that she will be, uh, her knowledge. Uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, she had worked with different people that I had worked with.
worked with in the past and how highly they had spoken of her. So each staff member, you know, different different ways that they came about in terms of, you know, having a group of people you want to interview and then narrowing it down to each position specifically is is different for each person. But, you know, excited about all the people that we have on board and then getting a chance with a couple of guys with, with Chris Morgan and, and Jim Dre and, and Zach Cable, guys that were here already, but also had very similar outlooks, similar philosophy on how we're looking at the game. Uh, so bringing everyone in together has, has been a fun process. Thank you, Shane. Now, there's Shane Waldron. Uh, we got to take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we can react to a little of that. Anything you heard that you want to talk about, 312-332-3776. A lot of the people up there making note that it, he's kind of avoiding saying Justin Fields' name. I don't know if that's really anything. I, you know, people get so wrapped up in these things. Like, is that on purpose, by design? Did they basically just kind of tell him, hey, let's – Let's not get into too many specifics about the quarterback at all. And they just sort of told him that. And that's why he didn't say Justin's name. He said he's exchanged texts with Justin. But a lot of that was just sort of like vague offensive philosophy, why he got the job, why he brought the people that he did with him and things like that. I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot they can say right now about the specific quarterback. So I thought a lot of that was just kind of like open-ended vague stuff. Of course, it has to be. It kind of has to be. You don't know. And I don't know that there's any, like, again, I don't know that it's was it totally by design? Hey, don't say Justin Fields' name. I I don't know. I don't know if the Bears told him that or if he just, again, well, played it very... I, I'm sure he just played it the way he had to play it. Yes. Very vague. Not being and specific so We don't have to mention anything. any specific player yeah. by name, uh, which he didn't really do. 312-332-3776. We'll be right back. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko. Listen to us now. Live on the ESPN Chicago app. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Uh, just mostly like vague generalities. Uh, not that I blame him one bit. From Shane Waldron. But uh, we know what he likes to do. He likes to throw the ball if he believes in his quarterback. I think he believed in Geno Smith the last couple of years. In terms of total pass attempts in the league... They weren't top 10 or anything like that, but they also played kind of a slower pace in Seattle with Pete Carroll maybe calling the shots. I don't know if that was by design or what. They didn't run. They ran the fewest plays in the league last they, year. They huddled. Yeah, they just they played a slow pace, yeah. Yerk. Um, well, I they, mean, this isn't basketball. You're not trying to get as many shots up as you possibly can. No, it's different. That's true. I mean, so let's focus on what we're talking about. We're focused on football. And just because they're not running the plays, they like to play a specific in a certain way. Yeah. The Bears, believe it or not, like to play in a certain specific way. The, they were 17th in uh, pass attempts, if you combine the last two seasons. So they were right there average. almost half uh, average. Exactly. Average. Um, again, their split, as Yurko looked at uh, when Shane Waldron got the job, was much more dramatic than the Bears' split. They were much closer to a 60-40 pass run split. You know who ran the... The, who had, excuse me, the fewest pass attempts the last two years in the NFL? Uh, Tennessee. The Bears. The Bears. Bears have the fewest pass attempts in the league last year. But Waldron's offenses these last two seasons were top 10 in quarterback rating and adjusted net yards per pass attempt. And remember, a lot of those pass attempts turned into runs by scrambling quarterbacks. Uh, that's very true. So... How many times did the Bears drop Drop back back the pass pass. turned into something else? That's very true. So I would um, kind of augment those numbers. You know, in your your continued statistical analysis, 
I would look at how many runs did the Bears have. Not like specific runs where they meant to run no, Justin Fields. You're talking Fields. about a, a, a drop back, turn into a scramble. Turn into a scramble. That's yeah. a good point because of the quarterback they had. It probably explains why there was such a big gap between the Bears and the next closest team here. Yeah. It was 60 pass attempts. Yep. That's, that's a lot, but I think right. you hit so on mentally, it. Mentally, I'm sitting there and telling myself two a game would be 68 over the two years. There you go. It very much explains it why there's such him, a big gap. But it would still keep him on the bottom, basically. It, it would keep him on the bottom. At the bottom, near the bottom, yeah. But you're right. The gap yeah. is like, you go, whoa, there were 60 yeah. fewer pass attempts than any other team in the league. But I think you're right. A lot of that is drop back and then Justin... Well, I'm just going to take off and use my incredible God-given ability in my legs here to get us something positive. And And he he has that. Yeah, He did, absolutely. All right, so uh, we'll grab a bunch of calls coming up here after 1 o'clock. We'll do the lunch rush a little bit later on. We've got McKnight at the movies coming up. Jesse Rogers, more venting on the White Sox. And Jerry Reinsdorf's latest sit-down with Crane's Chicago business. I mean, it's just... He's delusional. I don't know in which world he's living. But some of the things he said... I did a little research project, too, based on some of the things from... The latest Cranes article about the White Sox and their desire to get some public money, lots of public money, just a bill, no big deal, uh, for a new stadium in the near south side. 312-332-3776, that's the number. If you want to ring us up today, make sure you are watching and listening on the ESPN Chicago app and on YouTube. Click and subscribe to the station's YouTube page, and you can still listen over the air on AM 1000 and FM 100.3 HD2. It's Carmen and York. We'll be back in two short minutes.